It's really difficult to find great executives. Spear Consulting helps organizations find all-star executives and hire the right one using work psychology so you can serve more customers and grow your business. To get a free quote, go to spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Virtuous Heroes podcast. So excited about the guest that we have today, Mr. Fabian Stone. Fabian, I, I've uh, been so blessed and honored to, to be both a colleague and friend of yours in the way that our business, Spear Consulting, has been able to support uh, you and your team and organization, Duke University Health System. Uh, and, you know, for those that uh, don't know you, uh, I think I've talked about this in prior episodes, but Fabian, you are the godfather of the Virtuous Heroes podcast. Our mission is to inspire virtuous leadership, which really means to lead with love and to always want the best for everyone that you encounter. And I actually learned that discipline from you um, just by being able to see you interact in the way that you conduct yourself in business. And so I thank you tremendously, both for the relationship we've been able to forge over the last couple of years, but also the way that you've inspired me to be a better man and a better leader. So thank you for that. Our first question always is, Fabian, who are you? All right. So first and foremost, Chris, thank you for those kind words. Um, it's, it's part of my DNA and makeup so I, um, of, of how I treat people. I treat them with love and kindness always. But your question is, who am I? So um, I'm Fabian Stone, the Associate Vice President of Duke Health. Specifically, my role there is I oversee what we consider to be the middle revenue cycle. And so it's a, it's a, it's a rewarding job. It's a, it's a fun job. And honestly, I like what I do all day, which is, is, is a great thing for me and for our institution, because I do believe in the fact that when you love what you do, you typically do it better. So that's a little bit about me. Um, some other things, just as an, a side note, I, I am uh, the outgoing president for the National Association of Healthcare Executives, which is a, a Black organization that actually looks at developing African Americans and trying to help our underprivileged communities. So for the last two years, I've been working with a, a team, a, a great team uh, with the National Association of Healthcare Executives trying to develop a lot of different things, one of which, how do we continue to grow African-American professionals in healthcare? And how do we go out and actually, actually take the service that we do into the communities where they're most needed? So I'm pretty proud of those, those two accomplishments. One, I love the work that I do at Duke, and two, I love the work that I do for NASI. So thank so, you. So take us down a journey, Fabian, and tell us a little bit how you grew to the leadership position that you're in today. Sure. So typically, you know, like anybody else, you, you get out of school and you start, you're trying to fit, find your way. And so that's what I did. So my undergrad um, was in med tech. And so I became a laboratory scientist um, for the first part of my career. Worked at UNC uh, for nine, nine, 10 years. 
where I worked in, in laboratory science. And so I worked in areas from hematology to, to blood bank, and even had the opportunity to grow stem cells um, early on where they, stem cell um, transplant was, was, was way back in the day when it was controversial. So it was part of that team trying to develop that process. The other part of that was after being in there for so long, one of the best things that ever happened to me is my professor in college reached back out to me often. And so there was a program from uh, the American um, Hospital Association called Diversity in Health Management. It was led by uh, a group where they were interested in trying to move forward with getting more African-Americans in healthcare. Um, I was the second class. So I, I, got, I went off, took a sabbatical from UNC and went off and, and did the program and definitely learned that healthcare was a, I wanted to expand my knowledge of healthcare and expand my scope in healthcare. So I came back to UNC later and then went into graduate school, started graduate school, and then actually changed courses right there. I went into administration um, around specifically around uh, patient financial services. And I managed their outpatient services at the time in terms of financial care counseling, um, registration. And I did that for, for a couple of years and then moved into other roles. And then subsequently, I went left there and went to Duke, um, had a, a great journey at Duke and, and been there ever since from um, workers comp to, you know, coding um, and some of the great things that I do today. So my, my journey in healthcare has been very, very rewarding for me. And I've been able to continue to expand my scope in terms of the work that I do, but more importantly, the people that I serve. Um, the one thing that I did want to do when I was growing up was be a doctor. Quickly figured out that that wasn't really the best thing for me, and, but I still, in the role that I play today, I'm able to help people, and that was my whole purpose. So um, I'm pretty excited about where, I, where my career has landed me so far. Yeah, so, and I know you've answered in a very humble way because you oversee quite a, a massive team uh, in the revenue cycle for Duke Health. And just thinking about, you know, when was it the first time that you realized like, hey, I, I could do this leadership thing. I can manage people. And this is something that I want to do with my career. Yeah, it, it, believe it or not, and this is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, a sad story, but a story that taught me when you set expectations and you coach and support people, they will do the right thing. And so the story is, is the, the first time I had to actually um, exit somebody from an organization because in my, my, my heart, I was doing all the right things. You know, I'm, I'm coaching, I'm developing. I am given all of the training that I need, but it just wasn't working. And so one of the things that we were able to do is start to have a conversation about what's next in your life. So I changed my conversation because I knew that the coaching that we were delivering wasn't going to work. And so I started to ask the question, you know, what, what's next for you? And what we ended up doing is we, we ended up parting ways. But at the end of us parting ways, the first thing that she said to me on the way out the door was, I'm glad. This happened the way it did. And, and I'm thinking to myself, but but you're being terminated. And, and how do you how do you say that on your way out the door? Well, she subsequently had been looking for another job because she got the picture somewhere in that in, in that journey that things were not going the way they needed to go. And she landed another job 
that actually fit her skill set from her perspective. But she didn't go down that pathway without me as a leader having the conversation, coaching, setting expectation, following through. And once I saw that word one time, then I tried to replicate it as much as I possibly could and to try to teach that to all of my other leaders. You know, developing people is what leaders do, creating vision, creating mission, creating value for their organization. But the most important part is somebody has to do that and you have to have successful people. So um, that's when I knew that I had the knack to first talk to people, to galvanize people, to have patience and just most importantly, important to have integrity, to be honest with them about where they are at that moment in time. So I'll, I'll leave it there right now and see, see what other questions you might have for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, that is a perfect example and a beautiful example of integrity and virtue showing up in the workplace. I mean, it very easily could have been like, hey, you know, we've talked about this many times. The performance is not raising up to the standard that it needs to be. And unfortunately, you're no longer going to be with our organization. But the actual have the mindfulness to take a second and say, hey, okay, obviously, we know that this hasn't been working out. Like, what are you going to do? Like to have that conversation, like what is next for you? And being able to like sit there and process and be able to like give some ideation to where you've seen them like show up as where their strengths lie and how that could apply to other positions. Obviously, it's not going to be under you, but it's just being able to take that moment, love the person that you're working with right there, and being able to like take that extra time to guide them. And it's like in that situation, it's like you've just like been able to help them have a breakthrough. So to me, that's not, I'm not surprised at all of their like their their summary of that meeting with you to say, hey. This was great. <laughs> we were able to have this yeah. conversation, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's funny to say, but I, I will say that um, leading with love is a benefit to any leader. And let let me just clearly state what that means to me. When I say leading with love, I am talking about when you state the word love. That there's there's four things that come to mind to me immediately. It's First, L, saying that you're listening to people, which is, this is the most important part about being a leader. Two, observing their behaviors and their, their, their good and their bad so that you can clarify stuff. So, and then it, sorry, what was the L I wasn't listening to you? Yeah, no worries. Listen. I'm <laughs> just joking. You know, part. That's okay. All right, That's listening. Okay observing or we got the l and the o okay you got it now we're validating making sure that we validate you know that, that who they are I, I think the validation is most the most important part because that's where you start to gain trust hmm. and that that is, is simply stated you cannot lead people that do not trust you and then the last thing I would say to that when I talk about love is execution, because that's what we're here for. I mean, everybody has a boss because they're expecting us to execute on stuff. And so for, for where I stand on that, that execution part really starts to look at building those positive relationships and making sure that we take this whole word called leading with love and creating expectations and performance standards. That's what I think about when I say I'm leading with love. That's how I, I wake up every morning. And when I say my, my prayers or do my meditation, I'm looking for 
God to pour into me those things that I can do to help people through those four acronym that through that acronym of love. So, I mean, that, that's where I stand every day when I say that every morning that I wake up, I'm going out the door to lead while loving hmm. all of my employees. Listening, observing, validating, execution. You love got it. it. Yeah. So, and that also, that puts it into mind frame of setting performance expectations and performance outcomes. If you lead with love, those four acronyms, you come out with a good performance standard that then ex executes on good outcomes. So I just wanted to put that back there. So, yeah, so I think that's excellent. Can you maybe, can you give me an example, taking, taking that discipline of leading with love and applying it into maybe a work situation and how you were able to get the execution, how you were able to like, like leverage leading with love to generate results that may not have been generated without being able to, you know, be a loving leader. Sure. So, so one of the we, and we also, sorry, because you already gave us one. But so, so thank you for that. But yeah, well, just waiting for some additional examples too. No, I think, I think that's great. And I'm glad you asked. So one of the things that, that I see as, as I, I take this journey about leading with love and you start to hear about competencies and you know what's one of the main competencies of a leader one of the most important thing that i think about when you when you start talking about leading with love is emotional intelligence that's what that's that's what that is it is actually understanding the people understanding the timing of things that you got to do understanding what people are saying how to respond to it so when i talk about that one of the things that is that puts you in a good space to do that is you got to have a clear head. And in healthcare nowadays, it's just things are moving so fast, things are changing right up on our feet. So one of the things that I, you know, from a workforce planning standpoint, I wanted all my employees to, to be able to, to, to feel what I feel in terms of that, that, that clear mind, that clear head. And so one of the things that we instituted at Duke Health is we created a program around mindfulness and what mindfulness looked like in the workplace. Because the first thing people talked about was, oh, Fabian, we're going to be going out and, and, and praying or meditating all day. And I said, well, kind of. Um, that, that's one of the things that this does, but it leaves it to your own devices. It doesn't, I'm not dictating anything in that other than how to do this mindfulness in the workplace. What we found out initially was the whole movement was for, for us to give our employees a couple of things, settling them down to give them mental agility, create resilience, and really self-awareness. That, that was my whole goal initially. Here, here comes the, the, what we learned and discovered as a byproduct was doing that, we started to see better productivity, People were coming to us now with problems that they were solving and saying, here, I looked at all of these accounts or I looked at this coding scenario and here's what I'm thinking. Not here's this example and wanted us to think through it for them. They were now giving us the stuff. And I was like, that's the way to go. They also were able to help. They were adopt adaptable. They were able to adapt and be a little bit more flexible because they were, they were actually clear in their heads. They were thinking about it. Because one of the things we spoke on a lot is around 
how to use this to go from what we consider to be a fixed mindset where you continue to do the same thing every day to this growth mindset where I wanted them to be innovative. I wanted them to have critical thinking. I wanted them to be that, that employee that come to us again with problems. But more importantly, I wanted the creativity. I wanted them to think for us because I don't do anything. I don't, I don't work the account. So I need them to resolve that force. And so I think the biggest example for me where I saw a massive impact across all of the 400 FTEs plus that reported to me was this whole thing about them actually feeling better about themselves, thinking about how they can resolve problems better, thinking about how, how they facilitated it, how they facilitated their creativity. And the most important part is we can't do these jobs alone. So I need them to collaborate and have empathy with other people. And we saw all of those things um, documented very well in our process. And so I'm pretty excited about that. And I do believe that you know, having mindfulness in the workplace is one of those things that creates this, this whole understanding about we care about you. And the other thing that I would also add to that that I think was even more important is when I started to have divisional meetings where we have all the employees that come in and we started recognizing things. And when people started telling me they were not only using this in the workplace, but they were using this in their home lives. They were using this when they would see people in the street, they would then think about how they could pose and do things differently. And, and as you know, over the last two years, we've had the pandemic, which has caused all kinds of unrest for just how we manage uh, this whole pandemic. And that has been an issue on its own, but also this whole thing around the social injustice that come out with the Harvey and all of the, the, the people who were killed untimely, but it created a sense now for them to speak up. And they did it because I told people, I don't have a problem with you stating anything you want to state as long as you're doing it in a respectful manner. So think about what you're going to say and make sure that whatever you're going to say has an impact, that you're not just saying it out of anger, but you, you're resolving your head and your mind and you want to present to us something that's going to create an impact. And as we started to have the conversations around the pandemic and, and how it was impacting us and you know why you didn't get a vaccine or why you, know, why you should get a vaccine, having those conversations became, for, for me and the leaders that I was talking to and the employees that were in my division, became a little bit easier because we, we had these principles of which we, we wanted to live by. And that was the integrity of having a conversation that was thoughtful, impactful, and respectful. And that's all I asked. I can't tell you not to think that way, or not to do it, all I asked was to be respectful when you had the conversation. And, and, I, and, and it really showed up as people started to say, I was able to talk to such and such about that and I learned something different about Chris. I didn't know this because we were able to have a conversation or I was really bit angry about what happened, but I was able to at least get my point across. And those are conversations that we had never heard before from your employees. It was always coming to us to say, Chris didn't do the right thing. Can you go talk to him? And now they were doing their talking and they were resolving their problems and they were coming to us creating new ideas. And so I think it, 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 it fared out very, very well for us and our leaders at, at Duke Health. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You want to be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. 
a charity I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riveralightchicago.org. Again, riveralightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Well, I don't know if I told you this, but I can actually give a testimony to that because I had, you know, we had talked maybe, I want to say it's been at least a year ago, not the last time, but we talked about specifically about the Black Lives Matter movement. And I just asked you like for your perspective as it related to that. And you had shared a couple different uh, situations within your own life where you were specifically like, you know, uh, that people were very racist in the way that they were interacting with you. And, and that really opened my heart to think about it differently. And as I started to meditate and, you know, pray about that some more, you know, it's just like, I, I thought about like, okay, Jesus, do Black Lives Matter? <laughs> and it's like, it's like yeah. a, even just like a silly question to even be posing that. And I know like, you know, oftentimes, like, um, it's easy to be able to, um, you know, pin certain movements on certain individuals or leaders within that movement. I think, you know, maybe you might look at some of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement specifically that might be against Christian values, if you will. But overall, the whole movement of like, hey, that there is still blatant racism that happens today. And, and, God, I really see it as a movement of God being able to like, hey, like pay attention, you know, pay attention that this is something that still is going on uh, to this day. And uh, yeah, and I think that just being, as you were saying, like around mindfulness and being able to like, just ask people like, hey, what's your perspective on this? Being able to be mindful about people in that scenario. But then also, as you were saying, I think that's beautifully said of like, all right, I want you to voice your opinions, but I want it to be done in a respectful way. Because if not, obviously you're going to, the person's going to have their ears closed off to you altogether. And you're not even going to be able to make the impact that you're looking to make in the first place altogether. And I know that that's been a, a big push at Duke Health, making a pledge against racism overall. And you know, a couple episodes back, we had Rhonda Brandon, who's the chief human resources or your chief human resources officer at the organization. And she you know, spoke a lot about that and her experiences with that as well. And uh, yeah, so I was just thinking about, as you were just speaking about this, thinking like, you know, um, thinking about other leaders that are, you know, that you might be stirring their heartstrings right now, Fabian, of like, hey, we're, we're done with keeping things like unsaid. We want you to bring these issues up. And I, I'm just curious of like, was there some, not, I'm not saying blowback, but did you find scenarios, were there situations that were very maybe uncomfortable and that required both some vulnerability, but then also maybe like some humility and the people that had to listen and be able to process some of the things that were being said. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to go back to my, my leading with love and go back to that, that, Oh, when I talked about observing the objective under observe, observing is eliminating misunderstandings and miscommunication to create clarity. And you can't do that 
always without some level of discourse. Because sometimes when you got to continue to ask the question or you try to get clarity around it, it does cause people to feel a little uncomfortable, and especially about subjects that are taboo. So to answer your question succinctly, did I encounter some, some blowback from that? Absolutely. And was I expecting that? Absolutely. Would I do it again? Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, my feeling is that we all should be treated, not my feeling, we should all be created equal. And we should all, we all deserve to, to be in these jobs and be heard and be respected for our contributions. That's it. It's as simple as it said, and that's simply put. I think we should have access to all of the same things, no matter the color of your skin, your sexual orientation, none of that. It all should be to us. That's why we are here in America. That's what we stand for. So the blowback came and, and I had to deal with it. And, and I continue to go with my still love, uh, how I love while I was leading. That, that's how I did. I was leading into my thing. I was listening. I was clarifying. But more importantly, I was trying to build trust and credibility. So as we talked through those situations that they had the the, 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 the psychological safety that is even though I didn't like what they might have been saying, but they were safe to say it because that's how I learned from them. And that's how they learned from me. And we build that relationship to hopefully in the years to come, we're going to be better people. And we at least at least at Duke, let me just speak for Duke and speak for what we are doing. I think in that space, we're going to be better off and we're going to serve our patients better. Because it doesn't matter the color of skin. When you walk into the doors of Duke, we take care of you. We don't, we don't care. And all of that stuff that we talk about around race and color and, and, and gender and all of that stuff doesn't matter anymore when you come into our healthcare system. So of all systems, that should be one that has no bias whatsoever because everybody needs to be treated. And, it, and I always tell people this. It's not when, it's not if you're going to ever go to a hospital, it's when. Something in your life will carry you to the hospital, hopefully preventative care, <laughs> because that's what our goal is, is to keep everybody healthy. But it might not be, and it might be, but that, that's okay as long as when you come to our doors, we treat you with respect and dignity, and that, that's all I can ask for. So, so the, uh, I guess, other question that I, I'm feeling on my heart that I wanted to ask you about is like, you know, some people may be listening to this podcast episode, Fabian, and be thinking to themselves like, yeah, that's, that's a lofty ideal. And, you know, being able to kind of like make that shift in, in wanting to, I mean, the way that I kind of see it, there was another uh, guest that we had on the podcast, Steve Cal who wrote the book, The Good Book on Business. And his premise was that the original intention for business was family. And that the way that, the way that business was created was as, as a family. And uh, so, so that if you think about those principles of like showing up and uh, treating everyone like you would treat your brother or your sister, your mom or your dad, um, that it's very easy to see what is the right thing to do in each situation. Um, but I'm just curious, Fabian, for you within your own journey, was there ever a period where maybe you weren't such a loving leader? Were there any, um, any vices or any hurdles that you had to overcome of yourself to become the leader that you are today? 
Absolutely. I think at the end of the day, the, the, the bigger things that, that came that comes to mind for me immediately as you're saying that, um, if you talk about uh, a, a vice that you would have to overcome, it was being impatient and fear. Those are two major things for me that I had to overcome um, because it was now I wanted things to, and, and in any situation, I, you know, I wanted the, the outcomes to be there tomorrow. I wanted the people to, just because I said it and coached you today that you change tomorrow. Uh, I wanted those things to happen so badly um, that it was going against me because it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was not in my time. And, and I had to step back and figure out what does that look like? And that was me being impatient, having to convert myself and being impatient to be impatient, to understanding that things happen and change will come, but it is a journey. Um, and some, they, they're just not sprints in situations like that. And the fear was just simply being overwhelmed with worry, overwhelmed with concern, um, you know, because I wanted, I wanted people to just give me all these great ideas. I wanted things to kind of run, you know, like, you know, we come up with these great ideas and everybody just go make them happen and make them so. But that's not how it works, you know? <laughs> and so as I learned that, I was fearful of all of these new ideas we would come up with or things that we were trying to do that people were not going to execute on them or move fast on them. And so those are two major things that I had to overcome in order for me to be a, a good, effective leader, um, period. I, and, and, and I feel now that I'm very patient. That's why I can listen to people. That's why as I'm doing stuff around the whole thing about executing, I can now go back and build those relationships because I know it takes time to build a relationship. Um, I know that it takes time to build trust. And I have to not be fearful of the fact that things are not going to happen in a time that fast. Or I have to be, I don't have to, I don't worry now about what people think or how we're going to do it. I worry now, did they grab the concept? Did they, did we have a good plan in place? And then we just we just need to take the journey along with it. Now, I want to keep them on track because <laughs> I want to keep moving, but I don't get as concerned about it or fearful as I used to in the past. So can we um, I'd specifically like to maybe dive in a little bit more on the fear side, because I think like that resonated with me because, you know, especially as a leader, it's like, OK, if we if we say, OK, we want to we want to open the doors for ideation, we want more ideas, we want to be more efficient, we want to be more lean, we want to be able to have higher levels of execution. And then people start bringing these ideas. And you're right. It's like, oh, man, you know, everything that we've been doing, we, we're going to have to change it now. Uh, and there, you know, obviously, you know, just that that fear of the unknown fear of having to make that change. Just curious. Are there any tips that you can maybe offer to others that that are in a season of change right now and how to kind of walk out that fear of being able to realize that, you know, if we are going to do things differently, that it, it can be better? You know what I mean? So the, the one thing I would offer, uh, I do think and I and I sincerely believe this in my heart um, that creating a, a, a mindfulness environment where people feel safe in their opinions and safe in what they're trying to do, safe in bringing up new ideas. That, that's that psychological safety that, that 
that I've learned over the years can sometimes cripple people if they do not feel safe, if they do not feel, they don't trust you, they don't understand how you're going to take the information and use it. So one of the things I think is most important for leaders is to try to create that, that environment of psychological safety, which is, is a journey too, because you, you got to build trust, you got to build the relationships. And once you do that, then you can you will gradually see people moving from those fixed mindsets of where they're there's just status quo to doing what you ask them to do to thinking outside the box a little bit more. And then because they're not fearful of, you know, no, we're not going to do it because that's the way we've always done it, that you're going to hear them out, that you're going to listen to what they have to say and that we as leaders should be clear of not yet. I always tell people I never try to say no. I always try to say not yet, because right now it might not be the time, but it doesn't mean that the time might not come later. And so we 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 got to cultivate that for people because we want them to keep coming with the ideas. We want them to see their ideas being utilized by us. But we got to do that under the guise of they have to feel safe. And, and, and that is something that it took me a long time to build an environment around people that they, they, so they can feel safe to come and talk to me. And, and, and I, I'm proud to say, sometimes to my detriment, so I, you have to manage this, you know, people come tell me ideas all the time. When we were in the office every day, it was not, I, I guarantee you not one day that some employee that, that, that was walking in the hall said, oh, I got, I want to tell you about this. Or have we thought about doing a lean six segment on this? They were spewing out stuff that was like exciting to hear. Um, and we still get that. It's not, I don't get it face-to-face -face anymore, but I get it through Zoom or through, you know, messages or people still email me. Uh, and, and that's a good thing. And we, we, we are now trying to make sure that they all work through their leaders to get that done. But because I want them, their lead, I want them to feel the same way they feel about me. They have to feel about that, about the entire leadership team. And so we work very hard to make sure in, our, in my team that all of the leaders feel supported that they feel like they have the autonomy to, to make some of those decisions because that's what it's all about. That's why we hired them is for their creativity, their innovativeness. So um, that's, that's kind of sort of where I am on that topic right now. Awesome. Well, uh, well, thank you for sharing. Uh, Fabian, do you mind if I close us out in prayer? I do not. I think that's a great thing to do. All right. Uh, well, yeah, we're on the topic of prayer and meditation and mindfulness. Uh, uh, for me, you know, uh, I serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, uh, that's kind of where I, by being able to enter into prayer, I've just found, you know, added mindfulness. And so, Lord, I just, I thank you for this time with Fabian today. And um, Lord, I just pray for that, Lord, that you would impart the, the gifting of, of uh, more mindfulness, more empathy, and more confidence, that you would move your people, Lord, out of a spirit of fear and out of a spirit of impatience. That, Lord, in the same way that you've been able to help Fabian to grow in these giftings and these virtues of love, that, Lord, you would do the same for the people listening to this episode today. And that especially, Lord, I just, as Fabian was talking about fear, I just really felt like there's someone listening to this episode, that there's a leader that, that you are specifically, that someone's bringing a new concept to your business that would really require significant change and that you've been struggling with that. And I, I just, 
speak uh, confidence and trust, knowing that all things work together for good to those who love God, and that that in this particular moment and listening to this, that it's going to give you the confidence to be able to go forward with those changes and to be able to open up the opportunity for those that are under you to be able to bring ideas to the table. And that, uh, that you declared, Lord, in Jeremiah 29, 11, that for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you hope, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope in a future. And that, Lord, as we move out of the, uh, the fixed mind state to a growth mind state, Lord, I felt like the day that you turned me on, the day that I moved from, from being fixed to growth, that it was like I was seeing a new world. And that, Lord, that today, that people that are listening to this episode, that you would, you would ignite them, Lord. You would ignite their hearts to being into the growth mind state, to wanting to pursue excellence recognizing that that you have plans to prosper us and that you have plans to give us hope in a future and that uh, if things aren't good right now then it must mean that it's not the end because all things work together for good to those who love god and father i just pray that you would just continue to radically bless fabian and help him along his own leadership journey and be with him every day as he walks uh, as a leader, both in healthcare at Duke and within the nonprofit industry. And we pray this always through the mighty name of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. And Chris, if, if, if at any time, uh, I, I leave this with you, um, that, you know, as, as this podcast is being aired, if people want to connect with me, they certainly can at um, Fabian, this is F-A-B-I-A-N dot, S-T-O-N-E at duke.edu at any time to share a little bit more details about, you know, our journey at Duke specifically around the mindfulness and, and honestly to give people more insight into, you know, my leading with love, because um, I do think that's important. And the last thing I will lead the, 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 the group with is because I'm always trying to figure out how to continue to make it stick with people. The one thing that I'm working on now is trying to infuse that leading um, out with love to this whole thing called now adding accountability as part of that model. And that now gets us into this thing leading, leading with a love long-term because accountability is also a, a major component of what we want and desire our employees um, in general, anybody that's just whether you're doing it for for volunteerism or you're doing it for pay or you're just doing it in your family. We want you to leave with the, with with a love being accountable um, to the people that you're trying to to serve. So just something to think about. So thank you for that, Chris. And thank yeah. you for us today. Yeah. So so thank you for tuning in to the Virtuous Heroes podcast where our mission is to inspire virtuous leadership. And uh, thank you as well, Fabian, for being on the, the podcast and excited to see how this blesses our community that uh, for our audience that tunes into this as well. Thank you. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.